0: Welcome to the STEM Sync Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal McLean, amplifying unique life stories to encourage and motivate people of color with an interest in science, technology, engineering, and math. As a black female engineer, I found that a key resource that kept me encouraged along my education and career pursuits is something we often overlook and that is people. My hope is to leave listeners feeling empowered while gaining insight on endless opportunities along the STEM education and career pathway. Thanks for joining me today for a candid conversation as guests share their journeys and resources to help you reach beyond your untapped potential, connecting you to purpose. Now let's sing. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's edition of the STEM Sync Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal McLean, as you all know. And today's episode is a little different. When I got into this whole podcasting atmosphere, it was just being open to whoever God brought for me to interview. And those people are prototypes, as I always say, of models of what um, other people can be and today's guest is no exception to that and so i am pleased to welcome today miss sherry fisher on the stem sync podcast welcome welcome
1: thank you crystal i'm happy to be here
0: awesome awesome so actually let's start with how we met because i think it's very unique most people i've had on the show are people that i actually have some sort of immediate touch point to um and i i just think this is a fabulous story and i'm just so honored that you of how we even you know became into this dynamic and relationship so i'll let you start with that story
1: okay perfect so crystal i um have always had a desire to uh work outside of the united states you know, as you know, you know after we after we met, um, I started my career. I am an engineer at the Corps of Engineers, mm-hmm. and at that time, in the late '80s, I believe, you know, all everybody, all of the guys rather were going over to Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. or they were going over to somewhere to build an, an airstrip. For the Mm -hmm. core and that always seemed to excite me and i don't recall at that time where women were doing that maybe they were but i wasn't aware of it so that has always been in the back of my mind so for for my you know 30 plus careers i've always wanted to do that so uh, i was able to to work at the core for four years uh on a lock and dam project that it was it was fascinating and then I went on to work at Anheuser Busch for four years, where they really moved me, changed me from being a civil engineer to more of a mechanical and electrical engineer because we were working on, you know, a manufacturing plant making beer, that kind of thing. So I'm gonna t- we're gonna get more into my career journey a little bit later. Uh, but you know, my son is grown, and my husband is retired, and so when you when that happens, it seems like as as mothers we have more time on our hands because you know up until that point you know you're 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 cooking all the meals you're planning all the vacations you're taking the clothes to the cleaners walking the dog you know uh, helping with college applications and essays and all of those things so it's almost like you have two jobs or or a job and a half and once all that slows down and stops you really have time to reflect and think about wow i had a great career but here are a couple of things I really want. So I I don't know how i I, I saw some. Job opportunities in Asia, mm-hmm. and then I said, "Ooh, maybe Asia is too far." Then I saw something on uh, the Marshall Islands where you could be headquartered in Hawaii, and I said, "Well, maybe that would be yeah. that would be kind of okay." I was I was just kind of trying to 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 make it work, but yet still thinking about the my larger family. And mm-hmm. I was telling you before, my brother uh, lives in Hawaii; he's retired Coast Guard. So I said, "Well, that might be okay." Mm-hmm. So I thought, "Well, who are the engineers that I know or might want to meet who live in Hawaii?" So of course, I typed in engineer hawaii and of course i'm looking for you know a woman yeah and and your name came up and we we kind of uh traded information on linkedin and had a couple of conversations and and here we are now
0: that's beautiful just to stress the power of networking and how you know how much it really does make a difference as far as when you can reach out and touch somebody just on a whim of having a conversation and so we had a great conversation it was actually my birthday that day that's right. That's right. And I was out at the beach and I was just like, oh, this is I, I was honored that people reach out to me to talk to me about just my journey or you know, where I currently am. Because I guess I just think about things as little old me. Um and just talking to you, you're so energetic. You just have so much life to give. And I'm hoping that the listeners, and I know that the listeners will definitely feel this throughout our story. So let's step back a little bit. Your profession, you said, was civil engineering. And so my question is, what exactly was your educational path?
1: So um, I, in, in high school, all, I guess all in, you know, grade school, you know, you're good in math, you're good in science, right. whatever. And then, you know, you're like, okay, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. And so um, I have, like I said, I have two older, older brothers. My oldest brother started studying electrical engineering and so i'm like okay well that sounds like a, a good career path and i'll go step back a little bit further both of my parents neither of my parents went to college okay. however extremely intelligent mom mm-hmm. graduated from high school at age 15. my yeah. father was valedictorian of his high school class however it was more of a, um of a trade type thing okay. i believe his trade was carpentry and his and his brother mm-hmm. my uncle was an electrician Hmm. So that was kind of my background really didn't have anyone close to me that that, you know, graduated from college or went to college. And so one day two African-American civil engineers came to the high school to talk about engineering. Oh, wow. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. I, you know, there were, there were no other choice. I'm like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and so from there really got a great start because they came, I believe, in my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And they explained, you know, you know, you need to take these classes: uh, chemistry, math. I mean, I took drafting, architectural drawing. I took all of that. That's good. So I was kind of, you know, on the on the launching pad, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when it came to my junior year, probably like you, you started receiving all of the all of this mail mm-hmm. coming in with all of these different colleges, and I didn't know what to do with it, so I put it in the bottom dresser drawer. I had no idea. <laughs> And so my best friend and I said, um, I don't know, it was like, it was like a couple of months before we were supposed to go to college. We were like, let's just go to Rolla. And by Rolla, I mean the University of Missouri at Rolla, which okay. is now Missouri University of Science and Technology. Oh, wow. And so we filled out the application, we sent it in and we got accepted. Now what I didn't know was because I had made such high scores on my PSAT and SAT mm-hmm. I would have received a full ride scholarship and probably some of those some of those envelopes in the in the bottom of the drawer were full ride scholarships but again my parents and myself we didn't know what yeah. to do with it. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of where my career journey started
0: Okay that's fabulous and I know exactly what you mean about receiving all those um, pieces of mail. And you're just it was overwhelming for me. Um, I I opened them and I'm just like, Okay, I guess and "Mm, I don't know, you know, I don't know how to fill this out. My parents are first, I'm first generation American with my parents being from West Africa, and my mom, you know, essentially raised me. um, And she didn't know and even though she's educated, you know, in Liberia, and also in England, it was just a different system. And you just don't know what you don't know. Um, And in talking to one of my mentors, Mother, she mentioned that it's still quite a journey, even though there's a lot of information out there. Um, people would be very surprised at the process that, even though there's a lot of information, there's still a lot of information that people still need to go grasp. Um, and so, you completed your degree program, and then did you go directly into working for the Corps of Engineers?
1: Well, I want to slow down and talk a little bit about my my college journey, but before that, I didn't know that your family was from Liberia. We'll have to have a discussion about that Okay, because uh, my family originally started, well, from Africa to South Carolina. Mm. And so two brothers went uh, to Arkansas and one brother actually went back to Liberia and they did have a conversation and they kind of know who that is so we'll we'll have another conversation okay that. When you said that, I just got chilled. I'm like oh, oh my that's goodness. fascinating I Okay, am very excited. yeah see what happens when you start talking to people that's you right don't
0: know what's right. going to come up okay so you said you want to talk back about your college yeah experience. let's take a little
1: bit of time and, and just talk about the college sure so, sure sure I, um, and my girlfriend was just here and we talked about this. I lived in an integrated neighborhood. So mm. it wasn't, I didn't grow up in a just an all black neighborhood. I grew up around um, mainly two cultures, but some there were some Hispanic uh, uh, students and some Asian students as well, but mainly mostly white and black. So I was mm. very comfortable in that arena. Yeah. And then when I went to college, it was not only primarily white, it was primarily male. Mm-hmm and so it was it was the school where uh, i think they didn't have women until like 1961 they didn't allow wow. women to to go to the school and so th- it was just my civil engineering building didn't even have a women's restroom so just a lot of years <laughs> a lot you're just like i can't
0: mm-hmm. even imagine mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah right just a lot of wow. things mm-hmm. and so um my study habits weren't the best, you know, because I went through high school with really, really good grades and didn't yeah. really have to do much. And college was a different story.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so uh, hmm. I didn't figure out I actually was on academic probation at, at the first after the first two years. And then I didn't figure out there was a process to studying. And so my advisor actually helped, um, you know, me with getting tutors, with getting um you know extra extra assignments classes that would help boost my gpa okay. and really just helping with that so the yeah. process wasn't just like oh i just sailed through yeah. i actually it took me five years to get my civil engineering degree mm-hmm. and so i was successful in doing that but i wanted people to know that um it, it was it was it was something that i wasn't prepared for mm-hmm. however i was able to um connect with my advisor. And he was, he was really instrumental in making sure that I was successful at that school. And I will forever be grateful for that.
0: That's a great story. Because I think a lot of times people think once you get your degree, you know, oh, you know, you're engineering major and it was, you're so smart. You're like, yeah, I mean, I'm smart, but a lot of it is tenacity that made me get through that. And it's great that you had an advisor that actually saw that. I haven't heard of a lot of awesome advisors nowadays who really pour into people in that way um but good on your advisor for that and I took five and a half years to get my chemical engineering degree okay
1: okay okay well thank you for that yeah yeah because I thought well what's wrong with me
0: no Um, it, it was there was no way in the world I was going to take all those heavy lifting engineering courses and everything because part of it I I think a lot of it was like what you said you don't you don't necessarily know how to study you're not necessarily prepared for it now I did have the um I will say the opportunity to take you know advanced placement courses when I before I went into college and they were set up like college courses with the syllabus and things like that okay. however engineering is engineering right it's hard mm-hmm. it's hard so I'm just glad that you were able to emphasize like hey some of us take a little bit of a different route before we yes. get there and yes. that's really what's I mean, most important
1: what you said is what actually happened to me. By slowing down the number of classes, by reducing mm-hmm. it from seventeen hours yes. to thirteen hours, yep. um, I was much more successful. That was just I how I study and how I learn. And plus the fact that I didn't have a bunch of files like maybe some of the the fraternities might have mm-hmm. had. But I actually mm. I actually earned my degree.
0: I know that's right, and that's the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. That is a good point. That's a good point. So you got your degree. Yes. And was it automatic for you to go straight into a career? How was that yes, transition?
1: It was. So so um, the summer before I graduated, I worked for the Corps, the St. Louis Corps of Engineers, the mm. St. Louis District, as a construction inspector. And uh, based on my performance as a construction inspector, at the end of that summer, the chief of construction offered me a permanent job within the St. Louis District saying, you know, he said, where do you want to work? What do you want to do? And I uh, said I want to work on Lock and Dam Twenty Six replacement. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So, so my senior year, I was much more relaxed mm-hmm. because I had a job and I didn't have to spend, you know, valuable study time interviewing for a job. Mm-hmm. And so that was really a blessing. When I went, when I graduated, I went straight to uh, the the construction site, which was a resident. It was a, it was fancy because it was a it was a billion dollar construction project. So they actually had a resident engineers building. Okay but outside that residence residence engineer building they had a trailer in the parking lot and they called that the claims trailer so for 4 years i wrote and negotiated construction claims for this large bill, billion dollar project now I went to civil engineering school, not construction management right that's like, what i'm. I am like, even... <laughs> i did not even know what a claim was
0: I was about to ask that like how did you know you, you go through this school you do all this technical stuff and all of a sudden you're doing more paper management and talking to people in negotiation so how was that for you.
1: Um it was different, but what I love about the Corps is they had so much, edu- they had so many educational opportunities, mm. so for four years, yes, I was negotiating claims, but I was going to all kind of core of engineers schools to learn about construction management mm-hmm. to learn about um scheduling and cost engineering and all of this so that was almost like a a master's degree in construction management that's good so that's kind of what that was but but one thing I will say about that is um and I'm not gonna say it's the core, I'm just gonna say the times that that it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, our My management team always looked at the contractor as the enemy and they're trying to stick it to us because these, these were hard bid type jobs. Mm-hmm. So in order for a large company to actually win a, 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 a job like that, I'm just gonna make an assumption, mm-hmm. Is they had to find all the holes and tricks and 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 things in the contract that were conflicting, and then figure out how they could make up the rest of the money or make up the project in claims. Yeah, that's 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 my point of view. I'm not sure if that's true or not. And so I never liked that adversarial relationship, and I always thought that there would be a better way. And at some point in my career, I discovered uh, construction partnering, and I discovered dispute review boards, which really really the core initiated a couple of years later, maybe 10 or 20 years later, it really made it more less of an adversarial relationship Mm -hmm. and more of a, how can we work together? How can we solve problems at the lowest level before we get to the point of a, of a claim, or before we get to the point of arbitration, mediation, Mm -hmm. or even, even uh, litigation and lawsuits.
0: Mm -hmm. And now that I'm thinking about that, it makes me wonder, is that what eventually kind of sparked your, um interest towards the arbitration. And I know we'll we'll get to that. We'll
1: get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. Yeah.
0: And so that that's actually very, very interesting that, that actually came up. And is it something that you kind of recognized at that time or was it something that eventually came up, you know, during the course of your career, like, hmm, when I look back on that time period, maybe there was a better way to do it. Or did you have already? Well, I think, I that? think it,
1: it's a it's a conglomeration of things. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is my personality, because we'll yeah. talk about you know that self reflection and self awareness. When I look at all of those personality and assessments uh, assessments that I take, mm-hmm. I am really a peacemaker. Mm. I am one. I am the type of person that will come into a situation and say, "Hey, how can we get along?" Now, maybe that's because I have two brothers, maybe that's because my parents were divorced, or maybe it's just an innate part of me mm. is, "How can we work together? How can we solve this so that we have a win-win?" That's just always been something that I that I that I've done.
0: I'm sitting here because I've often said that at my current position, a lot of what I feel I do is just that
1: Mm -hmm.
0: is you're you're saying one thing he's saying something else. We got to bring this together so we can resolve it to move forward. My friends kind of joke and say, as soon as conflict starts crystal is out the door. I don't have I don't I don't do well with lack of peace, in a sense. So So to see that become transformative in terms of this is just something that you're gifted at. And like you said, innate, and now it can actually be something that you are doing within your career is brilliant. And like you said, we'll walk towards the self-awareness piece because I think that's very important. Um, so you work for the core yes. and then what is the rest of your career trajectory okay. after okay. that?
1: So the, uh, it was great. I was working on the the second phase of the Lock and Dam project. So it was mm-hmm. actually winding down and um, I was looking at you know what is next. Mm-hmm. And I saw an opportunity to work at Anheuser-Busch in a manufacturing capacity, and that excited me. Working mm-hmm. on large projects, so uh, I love the fact that Anheuser-Busch gave you um, a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And so I was responsible for two breweries: Newark, New Jersey, and Fort Collins, Colorado. The Newark, New Jersey, was like an older brewery built like in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and Fort Collins was a greenfield. So any t- type of modernization or um, You know anytime they were going to change a can line or change change from Oduels to I don't Mm -hmm. know Bud light Mm -hmm. those types of projects, I would work with a a design engineering firm. And then we would work up the cost estimates, we had somebody else work up the schedule and and that's how we would move forward that's that that was my job for four years and I, I really enjoyed that.
0: That's great. It sounds like two different types of jobs, though. So how were you able to take what you learned at the core and apply it to the brewery.
1: Well, what I liked about, uh, you know, the first thing that I, when I, when I came to work at Anheuser-Busch what they said is we're hiring you to think you have an engineering degree. So we know how, we know you can think Mm -hmm. the job is that everybody here is at the cream of the crop. I remember that was a phrase that they used, and you've got to start at ground zero learning how to do things the Anheuser-Busch way. I love that. That was, that was where, that's one thing I love about uh uh women or or engineers and transitional you know we can we can think
0: mm-hmm. and we
1: can learn how to do things in different ways That's really now true. what was similar about the core and, and anheuser-busch was i was estimating i was doing cost estimates mm-hmm, i was taking I off that. doing takeoffs from drawings and estimating and then i was looking at historical cost and price data and then making those into into estimates so that part was the same
0: and this still was a people factor as well
1: there, there was a people
0: factor which is also important so you like that job right mm-hmm. so what,
1: I, love, I love that job
0: <laughs> so what what happened what made you, why did you transition to the next position
1: girl mm. fell in love got oh, married child so, so yeah I was, I was i was i had a plan right i was moving forward and you know out of in another you know you got like you said we've got all kinds of all different parts of ourselves absolutely outside in my, my personal life I fell in love. My husband happened to work for Southwestern Bell at the time mm-hmm. and at some point Southwestern Bell decided to move their headquarters to uh, San Antonio, Texas. Okay. And I'm like, "Great, good for you. I'm happy."
0: I know, all right. I <laughs> but, know.
1: But but this is where I'm this is where I am, you know. So mm-hmm. that's that was a that was a um that was a transition and that was a discussion mm-hmm. and that's 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 real and that's uh you know when you have Two careers, whatever those careers are, when one person has an opportunity to do one thing, um, how do you how do you make it work? How mm-hmm. do you make it work for both people? Right. So we decided uh, as a family to move from St. Louis to San Antonio. Now his situation was he already had a job, okay. So he there was nothing that that he really needed to do. Uh, the great thing about Southwestern Bell, they provided. Um, Oh, what did they call us? They called us trailing spouses. <laughs> really? and I guess, yeah, the, yeah, we were called trailing spouses. Okay. They provided training on um, you know, how to write a resume, how to interview, and you know, all of these, all of these things wow. uh to help us find positions in in the new location.
0: So let's 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 park there for a second. How did that feel? You have earned your degree you have made a name for yourself within the technical field right two different successful positions all of a sudden this man comes into your world and you fall in love was that easy for you or was it did you have any moments of just kind of like i don't know about this
1: well the good thing about about my husband is that he kind of prepped before because he had actually moved from Dallas to St. Louis with Southwestern Belt. So he was always kind of mentioning it uh, that this is, you know, I I may be uh, whatever I may be traveling or I may I may I may get a job in another city. So that was that was a good thing. It wasn't like, but it was like one day he came mm-hmm. home. But <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so it was it was always in the background. It was always part of the narrative. Okay. So I was kind of already ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I grew up in st louis so it wasn't like i i had always wanted to to have adventure and live somewhere else mm-hmm. so that was that was kind of okay but like you said you know you're kind of building yourself with this one thing how do you how do you switch and so yeah
0: yeah that's and i said that to you before we got started right yes. you know in dating one you know i'm not married i don't have kids 41 and a lot of my angst sometimes comes in, ha, I've made it to this level. Now I meet someone. How do I not lose myself in this dynamic of a marriage and having a family while also still honoring my gifts and my mm-hmm. who I am as a person and then moving forward with this person because love is a beautiful thing. you know. Marriage is a, a blessing. And I think it's definitely um, the foundation for a lot of things that we have in society. This is something, if I'm honest, that I definitely um, toy with internally. And sometimes I wonder like, maybe there's a reason why you're not married yet because you're so busy trying to figure it out that you're not just allowing life to happen. You know, you made it to Texas. You know, you were able to find a position. Was that something that you had to struggle with? Or do you feel like, you know, you just kind of said, you know what, this this is the new life and this is what I'm gonna step into in this season
1: well it wasn't easy but mm-hmm. i wanted to still park back where you were mm-hmm. because you asked a question one of the things that you and i are going to talk about at some point today is self-reflection mm-hmm. and the self-reflection exercise that i have found to be helpful in my life and i i try to do it every couple of years is what do you want people to say about you at your funeral and what do you want on your tombstone you know do you want on your tombstone to say Oh, she was a great worker or Mm. do you, do you want some, someone on the front row just crying their eyes out because they, they just loved you so much.
0: Mm. Mm. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, you just put a lot in perspective for me. And that's very good. So, did you always have that level of self awareness at that time, or was yeah. it something that? Okay. No,
1: I didn't. I did not always have that self awareness. Okay. Uh, but just, I guess, being from a home where my parents were divorced, mm-hmm. I always had a desire to to have a mar- to have a marriage that worked. To have a mm-hmm. marriage where you know, because when it was good, it was good. I mean, my parents were, you know, but when it was not, not good, it was not so yeah, good. Yeah, that's honest. So That's I always nice. like, I I love, I love the high points. I love the high points.
0: Mm, okay. Thank you for sharing that. I definitely appreciate that. So you get to Texas, right? Mm-hmm. You are a wife, you find a great job. What's, what's the next position that you were able to go for within your career?
1: I don't know if I found a great job. I, mm. I found like, it was like several little jobs until I found a job, you know? So, you know, we're going from St. Louis to Texas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, just just maybe a lot less awareness of women in the engineering field, a lot less awareness of women in the construction field. So I bounced around a couple of times. And what I eventually found was I found a job at Southwestern Bell in their network engineering department. And it, it was, it was kind of, I've got a note right here and it says AT&T, Southwestern Bell eventually became SBC Communications, mm-hmm. which eventually became AT and T. So I have a note here that says AT and T was a safe place. It was a safe place for women, even though they had engineering and construction. They had um, women in so many other areas. I didn't have to reeducate a whole, a
0: mm-hmm. whole
1: company or organization mm-hmm. that you know I'm not at home. And why am I not? Oh, you work outside uh... of home. And oh my goodness. <gasps> Oh, my my goodness, what what on earth do you do? you know, yeah. I what I didn't have to do all of that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it was a safe place, a mm-hmm. very safe place for um having a family and um and moving forward with my career.
0: that's really rich. i I really I want folks who are listening who may be recruiters or people hiring managers and things like that at the. Their careers and their respective companies um, to hear that safe space, safe place. And that's really the environment that people need to be certain that they are creating for people of various backgrounds. Um, I think the generation after me is very vocal in that and saying what they need and what they demand in terms of a, a place, and which is why they will hop from job to job to job, you know, to be able to find. Exactly what fits for them so they can show up as their most authentic self at that that. exactly at that area. Um, so I want to say
1: one one more thing. Go ahead, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Go ahead.
1: Um, so at that time, I felt so uncomfortable about being a new mom Mm. and interviewing. I would take my son's car seat out of the car and put it in the trunk so that when I went into for interviews, you know, people wouldn't wouldn't like hold that against me or wow. ding me or somehow. So that that really when I say safe place, I mean a safe place.
0: Wow. It it's hard to imagine that now, right? Because there are certain laws in place, right, that kind of push against it. However, we always know that there's an underlying culture sometimes that still doesn't say it, but it's still there. Um that's interesting. So your mother, your in the workplace your wife and how long were you at well now at&t how, how long were you there
1: i was at at&t for 21 years 21
0: yeah. years yeah. did you stay in the same position okay did you bounce around to different areas within the company so, so
1: what i like what i like about sbc communications southwestern bell at&t is they believed you know, earlier on, I mean, I had a had a degree, they believed that you could move around, they had a system in place internally. um, I think it was called career path, where if you were in a job for two years, then you could move to other jobs, Mm -hmm. other uh, do other things. So we stayed in San Antonio for four years. Um, I was a network engineer, meaning that I had I was responsible for, um, you know, managing the vendors who would we would install equipment into central offices based on you know growth right mm-hmm. very it was a very autonomous loved it you know worked with sign perfect, and so my husband had an opportunity to um, get a promotion in Dallas, mm. and we both felt I felt that the school systems uh, would pro, would provide my son with you know more opportunities, and so we chose to move to Dallas in addition. His parents lived in Dallas. So I felt like we'd have more family support than yeah. we did in San Antonio. I loved my, I loved San Antonio, enjoyed it. AT&T was headquartered there. But then after we moved to Dallas, AT&T or Southwestern Bell, whatever, mm-hmm. SBC, whatever it was called at the time, relocated their headquarters to Dallas. So that worked out well. Mm-hmm. I was able to work in uh, regulatory, in marketing. I was able to work as, a, as an implementation engineer after post-sales. For two Mm. years, I had the 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 privilege of being of co-managing the leadership development program for IT in um, IT engineers you know they came out of college or they were they were either um interns or they you know were college graduates mm-hmm. so a lot of different jobs within at a lot of responsibility but the but the through line of all of it was project management mm. uh, uh the, you know at one point i got my pmp and all of the stuff from the civil engineering with the project management and scheduling yeah. tied it all together
0: yeah yeah when i was looking at your profile on linkedin that stood out to me that you had so many different types of job titles. And I wondered what was the threat that kept them all together. And like you said, project management, once you learn to become a project manager and managing kind of large scale from small scale to large scale, you can kind of move and do everything. I think a big part of that is learning how to partner with people though. Right. Yeah. And to develop the people skills at the time, um did you take any sort of trainings that helped with that in terms of leadership positions or maybe not even leadership positions just how to deal with people and things like that
1: so so you know you and i talked about that it took me five years to get my uh engineering degree it took me about 20 years to get my master's degree Mm. (laughs) because you know we were juggling different things but but what what one of my mentors at at t told me to get a pmp Okay. to get a project management professional certificate so in my master's degree training i took the core classes to study for the pmp mm-hmm. and so that's what helped but as far as exactly what you're saying as far as the networking i never really applied for a job mm-hmm. and you know it was always the networking um and you know belonging to be, being active in internal um ERGs, employee resource groups. The oh, yeah. was excellent. And then and then from there, either somebody would invite you to interview or you would mm. you would know this person from working on a committee and then you would see a job opening and then you would talk to them and then you would apply for it. So um I, I know that a lot of people are on LinkedIn and I see them applying for different jobs and, and maybe you can have a a segment on this later on but really the key is the key would be like as i was networking with you Mm -hmm. if we found something in common or if we found a a a job that was a perfect fit then i would go after it it would not be you know like let me just keep interviewing let me keep applying for these jobs and i'm not getting them and i don't know why
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what i also heard you say was that you went outside of yourself in terms of being a part of the erg right and being on committees and that it sounds like there was a good culture of not only just work, but also building relationships within your company. And did you find that to be easy? You know, what was that experience like in terms of being on uh, that?
1: It wasn't for my person. It was not easy. It wasn't easy. Well, it was easy once I did it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy when I was listening to my internal talk about what I should be doing or what I could be doing. But um, one, one gentleman, you know, I had a mentor and and one of the things that we saw lacking on my in my experience was um, having a team, managing a team. Even though I managed vendors and I managed um, installation crews and all of that, I had never really managed a team. And so for me to get that experience, um, we decided that I would um, I became active in the Local Society of Women Engineers. I became vice president of that, so I got my leadership experience outside of the workplace, Mm -hmm. so that you know, if ever it came up in an interview situation or you know, it was me against another person, I would have a solid you know, solid years of experience managing people. That's
0: rich. I'm, I'm I saw that on your on your LinkedIn. Like, oh man, she was actually a vice president of one of the chapters for SWE, which is really major. Right. I imagine like it was a lot of people underneath your, you know, purview in terms of your oversight was, and things like that. It was
1: almost like having a full time job, but not quite. But yes, yeah. yeah, almost like especially when you're doing the programming. So you know you're doing programming right now for a podcast. Yeah. So we're doing programming for a large organization like SWE, mm-hmm. like a like a we're one of the in Dallas, one of the major chapters in the entire region, Mm -hmm. then the other chapters are also coordinating with you on, you know, those regional conferences Mm -hmm. and the the local conference. so, yes, it was a lot, but I needed that experience in order to move to the next level in my career. Okay.
0: Okay. So let's talk more about your career because family, right? Big thing, you're juggling family, you're doing things outside of your career. And then you were there, you said for 21 years, right? And so you're, kids are growing right things are going towards retirement for your husband and then what happens in your career is that is that at that time that you start to say you know what maybe i should start looking at things a little different like you said pulling in that self-reflection so what was that experience like for you
1: so so i want to say one thing and then i'll move on to that so i thought i thought okay when you have kids they need you when they're little and then you know then you know when they're in seventh eighth grade you can just kind of put that on autopilot and move on no Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case Mm -hmm. and so I decided to kind of you know really continue to focus on until I until I was able to to successfully launch my son onto college and all that but like Mm -hmm. I said I thought boom I'm shoot I'm done with that Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so the self-reflection piece really came into play I'm gonna I'm gonna really tell you I think I went to the SWE national conference Mm -hmm. some of the seminars in there were so focused on women and uh, focused on our whole selves, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Not just the career. They were talking about our Mm -hmm. health, our finances, our relationships, and then ourselves. How much of ourselves do we give away and how much of ourselves do we keep? Mm -hmm. So I was very surprised that a professional conference would be talking about things like that. And so that's really what kind of got, got the ball rolling for me. Okay. And I found um, uh, one of the, one of the gentlemen I, fa- I follow and, and one of the resources I'll give you is Michael Hyatt. Michael Hyatt is the former, I think CEO or head of Thomas Nelson publishing. Mm-hmm. And so he writes books now mm-hmm. he has podcasts. And, and one of the pieces of information that I, that I'm going to share is called my life plan and that's where i got the question that i ask you you know what do you want people to say at your funeral what do you want people to to say you know what do you want your tombstone to read mm-hmm. so that is kind of a the starting point of the self reflection and making sure that um that i don't leave myself out and i and i agree with what you're saying you know as as my son was getting older you know that it wasn't that wasn't such a priority then it got silent mm-hmm. and then i had time to really think
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you started to think about exactly what you wanted and one of the points that you mentioned is we as women have families and it's like we give all of our lives away right Mm -hmm. and that a lot of times you have to kind of think about okay what does it look like to have a career in which you're able to show up and have your best life ever right and even though you may have started here now there is a possibility for you to kind of reinvent your career based on what exactly you want to do and one of the things you say is like success begins with self-awareness that you have to select a career choice that matches your strengths so how were you able to just even figure out exactly what your strengths are is that based on what people have said what you know about yourself did you sit with yourself did you walk through the book that you just mentioned as a resource like how did that come about
1: so there are a couple of things it's it's So I've I've done a couple of self assessments, and I think the one that I'm going to to have as a yeah, you can
0: talk about it now.
1: Strength finder. Yeah. So so there's there are things that you can do, and you can sit with yourself, and you can do writing exercises, right? You can write, and you can you can you know you can answer these you know they there are all these different things out there, mm-hmm. and you can answer these questions like mm-hmm. what what teams do I work best with, mm-hmm. or do I work best on projects, or do I work best on people? That's all good, but that's just you. Mm-hmm. That's that's you and your thinking, and we do need that. So that's one piece, and then you can ask your friends, what am I good at? What do you see is in, in me as good? And and what do you what are people always calling you about? Like mm-hmm. you had mm-hmm. mentioned, what are people are always calling me about? Uh, how do I find a job? How do I research jobs? How do I interview? People call me about that often. I have another friend who I call, and other people call her about fashion and questions about, you know, mm-hmm. how do you how do you dress and what colors are good for me and all of that. So we all have those innate gifts. And so one thing is to not be afraid to ask people and to hear people and listen to their feedback. And then the third thing is I like to do um, to do those uh, assessments. And like I said, the one that I found that that really helps answer the question about careers is this Strength Finders one. Yeah. Not only will it tell you what my strengths are, but it also says, "Now these are the careers that are best for you, and then these are the environments like that you like." So my, it told me my environment. I like to be in highly technical environments. Mm. Um, you know, some other type of environment. Uh, if it's if it's too routine, it will put me to sleep.
0: Mm hmm I've actually taken the strength finders assessment and I took it, I would say in 20 maybe 2014 timeframe, I thought it was interesting just to kind of find out that I think my number one thing was i'm a learner. And I constantly have to be in an environment where i'm learning something new and mundane does not work for me very well, um, and I think the one other thing that stood out was harmony, how I enjoy. Like that's really big for me is creating harmony in in the workplace which speaks to who i am even outside of the the workplace and i've seen it in my sorority when i step up and i'm a chapter member whether i'm a leader i'm always just kind of like okay y'all how do we get to the solution even in my family you know so it was interesting to kind of see how that pulled from it but what you're a- actually having me to do think or think about right now is i need to open up that book again to find out exactly, you know, where I am now, interestingly enough, I was just accepted into a leadership program. And one of the points of it is to actually do strength finders again. Perfect. And so I was thinking to myself, yeah.
1: 2018 and one from 2022 and only one thing changed, but, um, I would encourage anyone the, the, the lowest, there was one, there's one that you can take for $19 and then you can take the whole, the whole gamut for, $50, but it's such, it's such a good place to start Mm -hmm. before you, you know, start looking for a job and all of that, just to know who you are Mm -hmm. and to know where you fit or where you best might fit.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So you take this strength finders, you go through this journey for self-awareness and you discover certain things about yourself and you're just like, okay, this is, this is really good. So how does that show up in terms of your next position or your Mm -hmm. career going forward?
1: So, um, So I like to do self-assessment every couple of years. So what happened at AT AT&T in my 21st year was a very good friend of mine, a very good friend of mine um, had a stroke and passed away. Hmm. I mean, just like that, like, what? I just had dinner? I mean, just, and you're just in shock. It's so different than, um, you know, someone with a lingering illness, right? This woman, Linda was so full of life. And so she encouraged me to do things that were wonderful. She was, a. Um, she did Toastmasters. Okay. She didn't just do Toastmasters. She taught Toastmasters at the local, um, the local, uh, what do they call it? Juvenile Detention Center. So wow. she was teaching she was a, a Caucasian lady teaching young African-American juvenile offenders how to speak in public. Mm. And that was something that to me was very, um, you know, like we talked about encore careers mm-hmm. it was just something that she wasn't earning any money, no money, mm-hmm. but that's just something that she believed in. And she introduced that to me and I am forever grateful for that. So I'm like, well, how can I, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I was wasting my life at at and I'm not saying that at all, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I'm saying,
1: what can I, what I need, to, I need to step it up yeah you know, i need to really get to know myself get the get to know the needs of the community and mm-hmm. figure out how can i contribute to, to, mm-hmm. to make, making everything better
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so did you create a roadmap based on that or how did you know how did you
1: so based on that forward? based on that i i like you said i did the i did the self-discovery and, and i as we go i'm trying to share these these resources with mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. um i found a woman by the name of liz ryan she writes a a she writes articles for Forbes magazine and she actually wrote a book called the reinvention roadmap break the rules to get the job that you want and the career that you deserve Mm -hmm. and so I use that as a roadmap to kind of figure out how I could move into or how I could discover what what the best of me is or what God created me to do Mm -hmm. and then how I can move into a position because like you're saying people are looking at me like you're in. you engineering. How are you going to move over to yeah. diversity, or how are you going to move over to you know right. tra- kind of transition points?
0: Right, right. That's brilliant. Um, this is this is such a rich conversation for me because I am in, in so many ways, right? Talking about the marriage thing and career and family and all that. I'm at a point now where I still have obviously a lot of time left on in terms of my career, and I think I'm at a point where I'm like, do I? continue down this road of working for the federal government. Um, And one thing I heard someone say in leadership is like a leadership training is, you know, you have to design your life for yourself or other people will do it for you.
1: That's true. Yes.
0: And I'm, you know, people have this assumption, you know, Oh, you're a GS such and such. You're headed towards the executive level. I'm just like, am I, I don't know if I truly am headed towards that level, because I do have a passion for seeing black women, succeed through STEM because I know what it was like for me. And I don't want to just talk about it. I actually want to have influence on it in some sort of way, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, STEM thinking even came about and got started. So to hear you say, you have to really take the time to sit in one, again, reflect, and then kind of really create this roadmap, actually do the work. This is, yeah. this is not just by happenstance. Oh, you know, this is just gonna happen and I'm just gonna imagine it to happen. It's more of being being intentional about yes. this whole journey and reinventing your reinventing your career to a certain extent. Was the transition hard for you? Did you find it to be easy when you decided, okay, this is how I want to get to where I want to go. You know, what did that really look like for you in the moment?
1: I wanna I'm glad you asked that question. So it it, you know, there there were the book that I'm that I'm referring to has exercises in it. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of go through those exercises. But just as you mentioned that, I wanted to let you know that all along that way, I've had various accountability partners. Mm-hmm. I had one good friend tell me at one point, she said, find somebody who's, who's doing something that you want to do, mm-hmm. or who's on the road at the same you know level that you are mm-hmm. and walk that road with that person. Mm-hmm. So all along this road, and even now I have an accountability partner that I meet with once a week. Yeah. It's not the same accountability partner that it was back then, because we were, I, I was doing different things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now, um, my accountability partner and I were, we were, we both happened to be on the executive board of Dallas. We, we came back together. Um, and so we're like, okay. And we both have, we're both at the point where we're empty nesters. Mm. So that's just, that just timing just worked out. And so we kind of think about, well, you know, what education do we need or, or where do we want to go? And, and she's a cheerleader for me, you can do it. And I'm that's a cheerleader awesome. for her. That's so awesome. um, that's kind of one of the things that has helped keep me on track.
0: Okay, so let's talk about your encore career. What is that looking for you? Looking like for you in terms of how you came about and exactly what are you doing now? Um, definitely interested in exactly where you're standing.
1: Yes. Before I left AT&T, I was researching you know maybe i don't know through the transition where i was i knew i discovered construction partnering facilitation mm-hmm. and i discovered mediation and arbitration mm-hmm. and i'm thinking well how do i create or craft a career out of that and so i started slowly you know taking the the 40-hour mediation training um getting on the triple a panel as a as a construction neutral um, doing all of those kinds of things. But then the work has to come to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, becoming a construction partner and facilitator. The work has to come to you. At, or, and I did a lot of uh, business development, a lot of cold calling, a lot of, you know, network. And I finally got a few projects. I did, I've been doing that for four years. However, it's really not enough to, and they always tell you don't quit your day job. Yeah. It's really not enough as far as, you know, as far as an income. It's something that I'm passionate about. And I wanna speak, I wanna park a little bit on the construction partner facilitation. We have so much um, construction work in the United States right now. And with the infrastructure bill, it's going to be even more. Mm -hmm. Because of COVID, there are, um, obviously, there are um, uh, shortages within the supply chain, getting getting materials for projects. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is make sure that the communication is is good between the the owner and the contractor because we don't it, it's when you have large contracts you only have a small pool of contractors who do them mm-hmm. and the contractors who do them you don't want to have or in my my point of view you don't want to have adversarial relationships yeah because it just slows everything down and it, and it makes everything more expensive so that's always been something that I'm concerned about. It's always be something that I am concerned about and that I'll always be involved with.
0: That's really good. So you have your encore career in this sense. And one thing that you mentioned when we were developing the, you know, the notes for this um, episode is, you know, encore careers are typically motivated by social impact and a sense of personal fulfillment rather than economic factors. And so do you feel like this position is it for you?
1: Yes, I do. And I, I wanted to kind of explain things. So when you're, when you're a construction partner, people are probably like, well, how do you have a full-time job? How do you do this?
0: Absolutely. When you're a
1: construction partner and facilitator, you're only meeting with your contractor or your owner probably three or four times a year. Mm-hmm. And those meetings typically only last three or four hours. Okay. So even if, even as a dispute resolution board mm-hmm. member, you're only meeting four times a year for a couple of hours. So mm-hmm. it's, like I said, it's not You don't want to quit your day job
0: right in terms of your second career or your encore career and one of the things that you mentioned is to set big goals and dream big dreams what exactly do you mean by that
1: what i mean by that is kind of you know let's come back to full circle about Mm -hmm. how you and i met there is still a um there's still something you know in the back of my mind or in the front of my mind about Inter, international, global travel, working mm. in a global environment. So that dream, dream big means that that not to put any parameters on your dream, not to say, okay, but I have a husband, but my house is in Texas, but um, I, my degree is in civil engineering, but I'm too old to go to law school. To just to dream without any type of reservations, without any type of limits on it, and let let those let just let those dreams come and it, you know over time and to continue to do that but I have a vision board on my mm-hmm. wall mm-hmm. and let me look at it real quick so two things on my vision board and this is a two-year-old vision board I've got mm-hmm. the Eiffel Tower mm-hmm. in, in one corner I've got the Eiffel Tower and then I've got a train um the, the Grand Canyon ro- Railway train so this is a two-year-old vision board mm-hmm. that's in one corner in the top I've got you know this fitness thing In Mm -hmm. the top left, I've got, you know, uh, my house is remodeled, the bathroom's remodeled, Mm -hmm. And then the top bottom, I've got uh, some some things, the ocean. And then in the middle, I've got relationships with friends. Well, this year in September, I will be going to Paris for my birthday. And then in May, we just got through uh, coming back from the Grand Canyon. And we took the Grand Canyon Railway train from, from Williams, Arizona to the South Rim. So that's what I mean by, by dreaming big big, is to just put your goals out there and and not have any limitations on them.
0: Thank you for saying that you made me think about these. I have two vision boards that are actually like behind my couch that I haven't even looked at in a very long time. And now I need to go back and revisit um, those those dreams that I had at one point to kind of say, see where I am, and if they've changed or maybe they've already been imagined. Like I put it out there a long time ago, and maybe it's time for me to say, you know what, you're actually doing this, which is, you know, interesting. One big takeaway, and I want to say this um, to you, is that I sincerely appreciate the wisdom that you've provided on today's episode. We are different generations. I oftentimes have this thought process of me being 41 and life has already passed me by to a certain extent. I know you laughing girl. With us being generations apart or generation apart, I would say it is so just fulfilling to have you speak into my life right now. Cause that's what I really think that you're doing and talking about, everything that we've discussed today as far as you know your career and just how you went about doing such and it really is encouraging and awakening for me to kind of say girl like you need to get out of this mindset of you're 40 because i'm you know i'm 20 years removed from undergrad and i'm just kind of like oh i feel like i'm too you know old and things have kind of passed me by um and you're a light you are a light and one of the um reviews that I saw on your LinkedIn because I, I, I look at all the information. Is someone talking about how how much people just enjoy your presence. And so I hope that the listeners definitely got a glimpse of that today, um, in all that you shared and your openness and in, in your truth and just making it underlining, hey, there's always more and don't count yourself out in terms of what you feel and be you know, being put in a box. So you know, before we end and close, is there anything else that you would like to share? I know you shared the resources along the way, but is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners?
1: Well, I want I want to share. Number one, thank you for inviting me on this program, and thank you for encouraging me when I saw all of your credentials and I saw that you were you you had worked in Japan mm. when you had you have done what I want to do, mm. and you're at such a young age and you are an encouragement to me. So oh, that's what you. I want to say. Hopefully we can, um, um, continue to, to, to mentor each other, Absolutely. So that we can t- continue to mentor each other, because like I said, you have lived out a dream of mine. Oh, Thank
0: you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. One thing I said to myself when I decided to go to Japan, I had a kind of thought, like, I want to have a story. I just wanted to have a story. And I felt like living in Maryland, while well, was great, I just wanted to have a story. And, you know, I'm grateful that you're part of my story. And I thank you for your time today. Um, is there any way that listeners can follow you if they wanna get in touch with you for any kind of insight um, and reach out to you?
1: The best thing, the best way to follow me right now is on my LinkedIn profile. Find my LinkedIn profile, which you'll have my my name spelled uh, spelled out in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And also I'll make sure that we have a link. In there so that's really the best way to contact me and to to get in touch with me
0: awesome well thank you so much sherry for your time thank you so much for your wisdom thank you again just for being a light and listeners i hope that you tuned in and you were blessed by today's episode take care Thank
1: thank you
0: you're welcome Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you feel equipped and encouraged to stay the course along your STEM journey. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you are notified when a new episode is posted and share it with your contacts. You can listen weekly on your preferred podcast app or by visiting stemsync.net. I encourage you to become part of the conversation to help cultivate a network of support. Feel free to submit questions and topics with an email to podcast at stemsync.net or messaging stemsync via Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks for the link up and sync up prototypes until next time.